And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's really hot in here. Would you be disturbed if I took my shirt off? Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis in a hotel room in Des Moines, Iowa, joined by my main man, Ari Wasserman, who may or may not have a shirt on right now. Ari, how's life? I don't have a shirt on. It's really hot in my house, and I just don't want to uh, air condition the top floor for 38 minutes when we're on this podcast. But I will say, Bill, I did miss you quite a bit this weekend because these were the weekends that I lived for with you. Like long road trips, driving from uh, Columbus to Nebraska. You you hit the uh, world's largest truck stop? I have not. I I also want to apologize at the top. I'm losing my voice a little bit. I don't know why. He was screaming Um, in the press box. Yeah, I was screaming. Why are you throwing the ball? Yeah, uh, in the press box. Uh, I have not hit Iowa 80. I did not hit it on the way here because uh, I had made up my mind that I was going to go to lunch in Iowa City when I drove past it, so I didn't stop. Um, but I will stop on the way back. Yeah, it all comes back around in the morning. You, you'll That's hit right. it. Um, That's right. Matt Brown of uh, there's multiple Matt Brown, so it's very hard to uh, the, the one who works the, for the, us or the one who doesn't. No, the one that doesn't work for us that does the extra points uh, newsletter wrote a tweet during the game that said Runza the Dan Ball, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I was. I saw that. I was pretty mad. I didn't think of it. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Uh, um, but yeah, so. Everybody's like, I can't wait for four to six with A and B so I can hear Artie's fire takes. And I gotta be honest with you, I'm pretty uh 
apathetic about it. <laughs> it's just yeah. like just, a- it was just a draggy ass game and you know, whatever. Like I I do here's the one thing that I think is really funny. And I tried to get this point on Andy Staples show across, but sometimes it doesn't get through his SEC brain. <laughs> but during the game, the Ohio State Nebraska game, when it seemed like Nebraska actually had a chance to win until Scott Frost gave up on his team sent me a text that said, I'm not sure that I believe that Ohio State will go unbeaten this year for the rest of the year. And I guess that's a fair take because Ohio State hasn't been playing very well. It's also incredibly simple and easy thing to say, but move on. Yeah. But it's it occurred to me that national media, and I guess I'm included in that now, want the playoff to be different so bad that they are so critical of the teams that are actually built to win a national championship and completely dismissive of when similar things happen to the crappy teams that are ahead of them in the rankings. It's like Michigan State was the everybody's number three. They earned it. They got their uh, their spot in the top three. And, you know, beating Michigan, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but everybody on earth knows that Michigan State isn't one of the three best teams in college football. They almost lost to Nebraska. They almost lost three other games. And nobody discussed almost losing to Nebraska as a reason to not rank them in the top four. And I guess recruiting, I mean, recruiting rankings, uh, playoff rankings will all kind of bear at the end because Michigan State, regardless of whether they're ranked six or three, will have to beat Ohio State. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you actually think about Michigan State's situation, losing to Purdue meant nothing to them because they control their own destiny to win win the Big Ten. And if they do that as a one-loss Big Ten champ, they'll probably go to the playoff. But if Ohio State now is viewed as a team that isn't good enough to win a national championship as a result of playing grab ass for four quarters with Nebraska, then why were we ever discussing Michigan State in any other light than just a speed bump on Ohio State's schedule? Does that make sense? It's like I feel like we're overly critical of the teams that are actually good enough to win the national championship and dismissive of the feel-good, better-than-we-thought-they-were-going-to-be teams that aren't ever going to beat Alabama. How are I? Uh, does that make sense though, or am I losing does, my mind? No, no. I think I think it does make sense. Um, I, I definitely think there is some of that out there about about Ohio State. I also think there's some national view on Ohio State that just like whatever they're going to be there in the end anyway. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, but it is interesting to me how some I, I do feel like they get talked about differently. But I also can't figure out if that's because they're the only team I really pay attention to. So I'm like more aware of it when it happens. Like I don't know. Here's the thing, because this is not going to be a podcast that just goes, oh, well, it's a clunker of a game, move on. Even though that's kind of what's happening, Nebraska, you made this point in the text, and I thought it was true, is not significantly better or worse than the teams that remain on Ohio State's schedule. That's a fact. Yes. So the fact of the matter is that even Ohio State, that's a flawed team for a variety of reasons, nobody's denying that, is probably not going to lose again. That said, I do think there is something wrong with them right now. There's something's not adding up. And I made this analogy on Twitter and I don't know if it made me sound like a Homer. Maybe it is go bucks. I'm a big Homer. That's right. But watching Ohio state's offense the last two weeks was like watching a Ferrari drive through a school zone. (laughs) There's, it's just like, you're waiting for them to, to do something. And you know that in any given moment, they can score 28 points in a quarter. And it just didn't happen either. Each of the last two weeks, 
And I understand that Penn State was a big game. Penn State does a very good job of, of corralling Ohio State to a certain extent. Nebraska has played good teams close if you consider Michigan a good team and Oklahoma a good team. But what the freak is... What the... F- <laughs> What's going on, man? Like, from your vantage point, like the offensive line, they can't get... They can't run the ball on Nebraska? So, there's a lot of things. Like, I, I just got done watching every single offensive play, uh, which is why we're recording this, you know, later at night than we normally do. Not that it makes any difference. Yeah, it's nothing to do with that you're having a 19-hour drive home. Has nothing to well, do with yeah, it. I also had to drive. I had to drive, I had to drive from Omaha to Des Moines, and I also had to go swap out rental cars because the one I drove out here uh, had a crack in the windshield that kept getting bigger as I got farther away from Columbus. <laughs> so I thought maybe is I that an analogy that for out. Ohio State season or what? Yeah, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But uh, you know, and after the game, I wrote that that I felt like Ohio State's offense has lost its way, and and if they don't get it turned turn around, they're going to lose again. Because for as improved as this defense is, and as good as their special teams are, they ain't scoring points. They ain't going to win the rest of their games. Um, but then I rewatched the game every single play, and like came away feeling a little not like not better because they played terribly by their standard, and it was totally out of whack. But like everything I see to me appears like fixable. It's not. I don't know if anyone has made this analogy, but it, like it popped into my head, and then I like quickly dismissed it. It's like the defense I thought was fundamentally broken at the beginning of the year, and they had to switch a lot of stuff to get it fixed. I don't think that's the case with the offense. I just think they need to like pull their collective heads out of their asses and like remember that they have the best players in the field and they sort of like act like it, um, and and not make stupid penalties and and not kill drives with boneheaded mistakes and, and decision making. Like a lot of that stuff kind of all came to a head against Nebraska, and honestly. Um, it's kind of funny to me. Like I, I, some of us on the beat have been talking about this team and like the trajectory of it. And like, is it, you know, you can compare it to 2014, you can compare it to 2018, you can compare it to 2017. And like in 2017, they put a tough game at Penn state. Everyone's like, yeah, gritty, tough win came back and beat Penn state. And they went on the road and JT Barrett lost his mind and threw four interceptions and they lost to Iowa. And I feel like this was that game they just won because Scott Frost is a moron. It's like CJ Stroud threw two picks and probably should have thrown like three more. And because he didn't throw three more, Nebraska didn't have any more opportunities for Scott Frost to try to kick field goals that his kicker had no chance making. Like this was this was a bad game. They played very poorly, but I don't look at the offense and think to myself, like, man, this is a disaster. They're never going to get fixed. So back when I was covering Ohio State with you, I was sent to Florida after the twenty eight was it the seventeen season when they lost to Iowa? Yep. I got sent it might have been after the twenty eighteen season, whenever Terry McLaurin was a rookie uh or preparing for the nfl draft and i got sent to fort lauderdale to write a profile on him as he was preparing for the combine and we sat by the pool at his uh marriott hotel that he was staying in and we just bullshitted for an hour and we talked about the iowa game he just said that ohio state was so amped up about beating penn state that they did not take preparation seriously for the iowa game and like hearing one of the most beloved players in recent memory say that, a captain, the heart and soul of a team, you know, that makes sense. Like to me, like he would never say that in an interview session after it happened. Right. But he said during that week, we or after the Penn State game, we partied and we enjoyed it. And the party never stopped before the next game. And like that makes sense to me. But that's why I don't really draw a comparison to those two things, because they were supposed to beat Penn State. They played grab ass. They won by nine instead of 100. Next week, they go on the road, and I don't know. That Iowa team is probably much better fundamentally than this Nebraska team, although Max Olsen wrote a, a case that their defense is really, really good. Nebraska's defense um, is pretty good. They, they are a – I think because 
Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play against Oregon, this was the second-best defense that Ohio State's played this year. And honestly, might in the end be the second-best defense Ohio State plays, at least until the Big Ten Championship, if they play if they play Wisconsin in that game. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying that you're right or wrong. Close games happen. And, you know, every single year there are close games except for 19. I don't get too wrapped up in the idea that Ohio State is like, I don't, I, this isn't an alarm. And maybe it's not because they, it would have been way worse if they would have lost. And, buddy, let me tell you something. If they don't kick a field goal down 23 17 there and score a touchdown, they might have lost. Like, you know, most games in Ohio State, I'm not saying it's 100% they would have lost, but they could have lost. Mm-hmm. Most games, like even the, the Penn State game, they were never going to lose. They were never, it was never a, a moment where it was like, oh my God, they might lose. And like when, Penn, when Nebraska was driving with the ball down 23-17 after the turnover, like in my mind, I was like, this team could lose this football game today. I thought Nebraska was going to score. I thought they were going to yeah, score a yeah. touchdown. And if they would have scored, taken the touchdown to win, to, to maybe Ohio State's offense would have scored, you know. But the fact of the matter is, is that Nebraska, though more talented than most Big Ten West teams or more Big Ten teams in general, has been a dysfunctional program that inexplicably loses and has terrible mistakes and can't get out of its own way. And for whatever reason, Ohio state had to sweat with the ball on the ground with a minute and a half left. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, you could chalk it up as a oh, bad game. They'll fix stuff. And you know, it's so easy to do that when you, when you're, when you uh, cover Ohio state. But on the other hand too, it's just like, could this be 18 and a warning shot that like a Maryland game is coming down the pike here? Like, I mean, are you at all concerned that Ohio State could lose to one of these teams that's remaining on their schedule or yeah, give up a bunch of yards. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah. like, I don't know that I'm, like, I think I'm with Andy on the sense of, like, if I had to bet my own money or say what I think is going to happen, I think that Ohio State will likely win the rest of their games. But I'm not, like, at laughing at the idea of saying, like, there's no way that could happen. I mean, if, if Ohio State abruptly gave up 50 points to a crappy team in the next few weeks, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world. I think I'd be surprised by that. I think I'd, I think I'd be surprised if they lost a game like 52 to 50. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost any of these next three games like 31 to 28 because their offense can't get out of its own way. Like I think I think Ohio State's defense is not a great defense. I think it might be a good defense now um, or – I don't, I don't know what's what's maybe a degree below good, um, like uh, passable, good enough. I don't know, but but they're not a, they're not an abject disaster like they were before. And I know they gave up two big plays in Nebraska. Solid um, it was a good yeah, word. They're solid. a solid. They're a solid. I think they're a solid defense. Um, so I I think I would be pretty surprised if they gave up anything like that to any of these three remaining teams. And even like for as good like David Bell is is awesome, and they're going to play Purdue next week. I don't know if a one-man show does that to Ohio State, although I guess you could say that a one-man show did it to Ohio State in 2018. Um, I, I still think I'd be surprised if it, if it played out that way. But, no, I think they're – they're, and I wrote it in my story. Like, if they keep – if they play like they played against Nebraska, I think they're going to lose. It's not do I think they could lose. I think they're going to lose if they play that way. Grab ass. That's all it is. <laughs> it's just like – like, to get like to get it out of the way, I thought their defense was pretty good in that game. Yeah, special, it was pretty special, good. Special teams were obviously clutch and like won them the game. Like, who knew that Noah Ruggles would be so important? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, Ryan Day is like in a funk play calling a little bit. I was going to get to it. I, I didn't know how to how to bring it up, but like anytime you can throw a screen pass to your walk on fullback when no blockers ahead, you have to do it, right? <laughs> like what are we? What, like I just don't know what we're doing. Sometimes I want to know. I didn't ask about that after the after the game because I, I asked about what I thought was a more egregious call on his behalf, and that was calling a pass play on first and ten from the Nebraska thirty four inside of two minutes to play when you're trying to ice a game, and then CJ Stroud fumbles the ball. Um, and Ryan Day was like, what the hell are you talking about? We like to mix it up. And like, I didn't follow it up, and I wish I would have. Um, but throwing a screenplay to Mitch Rossi is also weird. Like, I almost like the day. Why was he even on the was field? The, well, I'll tell you why he's, I'll tell you why he's on the field. It to me. This is part of the issue. Mitch Rossi is on the field because Mitch Rossi is their best blocking tight end, which is a problem. Um, but in that particular situation, I, maybe they thought somebody else was out there. I don't know, I don't know what the, the – uh, desired outcome is when you throw a ball out in space to your fullback with we've no been covering this team extensively every single recruit that they're either recruiting or have recruited in the past 10 years i know who that person is i didn't know who mitch rossi was till he scored that touchdown three weeks ago that's right Spider- I, I mean i'll be i i know i've never heard that name before in my life yeah you know what i was i talk oh i was hanging out with uh the uh, letterman row guys on friday night in omaha did you get a road beer or what i did not get a road beer i was actually drinking water um, cause I had the drive. Um, but, uh, we we're talking a little bit about the team and I said, like, I said, like, this, you might like roll your eyes at this. I'm probably I, think, going like, to. I think like the guy, well, I guess aside from Justin Fields, the guy that this offense like misses the most right now is like Luke Farrell. <laughs> no, I mean, I could buy that. I mean, he was, I, mean, I don't know. Probably, he wasn't. Yeah, like I mean, outside of the, the quarterback, maybe I guess you can make the Outs- case. Yeah, outside of the all-world quarterback, like they miss they miss a guy like Luke Farrell, who was just like a very like, reliable, solid blocker and very important to the specific run schemes that they very that underrated right pass now. catcher too. Yeah, that too. But but anyway, back to the point. Ryan Day is doing some weird shit with his play calls, and he's just getting pass happy, and he's done it in the past. And like I get it, it's it's like his DNA. He wants to throw the ball. He's a former quarterback, like, and he like is hell bent on proving to people that he is quote aggressive. Even though that's sort of a nebulous thing, and not even sure what it, use, what it means, and I've been guilty of labeling him that way before too. And, and honestly, it's probably a bit of a misnomer. Um, they just threw the ball too damn much. Like I don't know, and like it's not like they were running the ball down down Nebraska's throat, but they weren't weren't a disaster running the ball either. I thought they ran the ball better against Nebraska than they did did against Penn State by and large, and some of the numbers kind of um, back that up. But like. They had drives where they didn't run, like he didn't even attempt to run the ball. And I Can think I say like, something Ryan, I just want to let me finish up. Like okay. I think Ryan Day is putting too much on CJ Stroud at the moment. And CJ didn't play his best game. Like he definitely could have played better. He was forcing stuff in a way that he hasn't really forced stuff all year. But he's putting too much on CJ's plate right now. If Ohio State's playing Nebraska 
and they decide to pass it on every single down. If Ohio State is a playoff team and a national championship contender, shouldn't they be able to do that? No. You don't think no. so? No, I think it's a ridiculous thing to say and expect. Um, and I know that Garrett Wilson was out. Nobody on Nebraska's defense can cover what they had out there. Guys were open the entire game, right? No. The younger guys weren't getting open? I mean, they, the entire game. I mean, Jackson Smith, Najigba yeah. was open the entire game. Nobody could he cross had, cover he had, 14, he had 14 catches, <laughs> 15 yeah. catches. Yes, he was open. He was open underneath a lot. A lot of guys were open underneath a lot, and I think C.J. Stroud, for the most part, got the ball to guys I think underneath. also part of the reason why they threw it so much is because it's not like the running game was lighting it on fire. No, but you have to do it. You have to try it. They're, no, they're like they're not they're not running the ball, and then they're trying to run play action passes that have no chance of being successful because they're not worried about you running the ball because they know you're not running the ball every time they try but to play. There's no push, pass, Landis. There's just there was no push, and there was, like, uh, I don't understand. No, I mean there there was no push last week. Last week, um, their average yards before contact was half a yard, which is terrible. Uh, this week it was like one and a half yards, which is still pretty damn bad, but an improvement. Uh, and before that, they were like closer to like two, two and a half. Uh, which what is what is good? good? What is what is good? Two in that stat. Two, two yards. Two and a half. Two yeah. yards upfield. It's yards before contact. It's the yards. How many yards a running back runs on average before someone touches him? Basically, but like runs from his the point of where he receives the ball or past the line of scrimmage. Past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I guess two is good. Yeah, two is good, and two is where they were for most of the year. The offensive line is not playing well. Um. I don't. I actually kind of felt. But like they why? Played a, even. I think there's a couple of things. I think. Well, in this game, Dewan Jones was like sick, and didn't start, and then just came in and played sick, and he played okay, I suppose. Um, Paris Johnson does not look comfortable to me at guard, and really hasn't for some time. And I like. I, I think he's going to be a really good tackle, and I think he's got a really bright future. I think they need to consider not playing him there anymore, and just play Matthew Jones. Or put Matthew Jones in at left guard. Like Matthew Jones needs to play. Like a guard needs to play guard. Basically, is what I'm getting at. Um, Nicholas Petit Frere had a terrible week last week. Had like a a bad game by his standard. This week wasn't as terrible as he was last week. So like there's individuals up there who aren't playing well. Um, teams are selling out a little bit against the run. Although I think Ryan Day made a little too much of that um, after after the Nebraska game. I don't I don't think they were running into loaded boxes all that much. Um, guys were losing one on one. There, there's not enough of a push, not a, not a consistent enough push. I wouldn't say there's no push. Um, and I think just like in general, I know it's kind of hard to see like Trevion Henderson getting like four, four, six, six, four instead of like 12 every three carries. Um, but I actually thought they were running the ball well enough early in that game and Ryan Day went away from it way too quickly. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think Trevion Henderson is like very clearly hurt and is lacking – He's two two things with Trevion Henderson. One, I think he's hurt, and he had that wrap on his knee last week against Penn State, and I feel like he's not cutting in the way he was cutting the first few weeks. And two, I, and I don't maybe it's a byproduct of just like seeing more bodies or being a little tired or worn down or what. Like he's not seeing things well, and there are times where there is a lane, and I think it's a lane that if he were fully healthy, he'd trust himself to get to. Maybe he doesn't trust it now, and he's just sort of like running into contact. Like he's – what makes him special is his ability to shed tackles and make guys miss and then turn what should be a three-yard run into a 70-yard touchdown. 
And the last two games, I thought there had been way too many instances of him just like running into the first defender he sees, lowering his head and like finishing his run in a tough way, but not really doing anything to try to make something out of nothing. And he's got to do that too. Like every running back has to do that. Not every play is perfectly blocked, and and the percentage of plays that have been perfectly blocked by Ohio State's offensive line has been lower the last two weeks than it was in the first seven. But I think he also needs to pick up his play a little bit. Like honestly, the only guy on the offense who I think is like playing well at a fairly consistent level is like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, who wasn't out there on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I mean, it did seem to me that there were even times in the game where there were critical junctures and like Master Teague and Mayan Williams were carrying the ball. Like, do you think there was part of that was that? I think, yeah, and there was one like in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, they ran the ball with a tailback six times. It got 50 yards. Um, so, like, they did kind of wear Nebraska down and ran it well in the fourth quarter, and then Ryan Day decided it was time to throw the ball for some odd reason. Um, but after Trey Henderson's last carry was for 22 yards, and then he, like, limped off the field and Master T came in. And I think, like, every time Trey had a long, like, semi-long run or got hit in a specific way, like, he just had to come off the field. And I think it's because he is dealing with something that's hindering him in some way. Yeah. So no alarm bells for you? No, I mean there are alarm bells. They're not playing well. The penalties are like a tr- they, the the one drive in the second quarter. They had like four penalties. I think only uh, one got declined, and then like right after that they had that like egregious block in the back on Kate Stover on the punt return. Like they're doing stupid stuff. They're 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 trying to find ways to let a game get away from them. So like alarm bells are definitely going off. But I don't see anything with the offense that like look, seems fundamentally broken. I just think they need to like get their shit together. Cause I think the ceiling is still very high to me with this offense. Like they're just, they're too talented. Um, I think you got to figure out your best five on the O line and play those five. Um, it would help if Trey Henderson was fully healthy, but even if he's not, I still think he's pretty damn good and he's still their best running back. Even if he's at 80% or 75%. Um, and I do think CJ Stroud, while he had a bad game is still pretty good. Um, and like, I wouldn't make any kind of change there either. So, uh, I, I trust the pieces they have in place to get it figured out. They just need to get it figured out because if they don't, like I said, they're going to lose again if they play like that. Yeah. Um, Purdue's pretty good. Yeah, this is not like uh, sneak up on you, Purdue. Purdue kicked Michigan State's ass. I watched the whole game for other reasons besides just entertainment. They're 6-3. and three. They're not in the AP poll for some reason. Not that it matters. Like I think they're going to be ranked by the playoff committee. I'd be surprised if they weren't. They've not really gotten their ass kicked by anybody. Um, and they have six wins, and they and they beat Iowa and and Michigan State. And like their two, like, uh, the three losses were Wisconsin, a forgivable, Notre Dame, forgivable, and I don't know what you think about Minnesota. Yeah, but the Minnesota was. Cl- I, th- I I think what about Minnesota? I think about like everyone else in the Big Ten. It's not Ohio State. They're all the same. <laughs> That's what I think about Minnesota. That's what some people think about the Midwest, Landis, so watch your mouth. I love the Midwest. (laughs) I got to say, I feel like most times when I drive out here, the weather is, like, kind of shitty, and it's, like, it's gray or it's Has it been great? It's been beautiful, man. It was 70 degrees yesterday during the game. It was beautiful today on the drive, and, like – You got the windows down? Western Iowa, like, gets a little bit of, like, rolling hills, and, like, the – They've all been – I'm not a farmer, so I apologize for sounding like a moron. They've all been plowed. <laughs> There's nothing there, so it's just like all dirt. Um, but it's really nice. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was – it was way more scenic than I remember it being, but I think that's just because the weather has been unseasonably nice. Unseasonably I remember more. Nebraska being pretty hilly. The drive from uh, the drive from Kansas City to Nebraska is pretty. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a – 
And I also will say this. I stayed in Davenport, Iowa, the Quad Cities. Lovely That's Davenport, Iowa. One of the best hotels in America in that city. Right on the banks of the Mississippi River. And then uh, Friday morning, I went over to Moline, Illinois, which is the town across the river. I found a really nice coffee shop that was like basically on on the river. I could, If I threw a rock from where I was sitting, I could reach the river. Uh, it was beautiful. I had great coffee. I wrote a story about Jimmy Roller that's going to run next week on The Athletic. And I thought to myself, I could live here. This is really nice. You're a simple man, Landis. I think the Quad Cities are one of the more underrated areas of America for people to visit. As long as the, that's 70 There's a sunny. casino there, so yeah. There is a casino there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. you, and Doug Maurice went there one night. We certainly did. I don't know if you remember that. That wasn't the night that I hit. Was that the night that I hit the... No, that was that, that was in was, Council Bluffs. That's that was right. it was it was out here or wow. out this way for the Nebraska game in 2019, I think. Because that was the night that I bet on Penn State or oh, yeah, I, I remember. On, that. No, no, I bet on didn't. Maryland. Bet on Maryland to beat Penn State because it was a Friday night game, and I thought Mar- like that was finally when Maryland was going to break through and beat Penn State. Penn State kicked the shit out of Maryland, <laughs> and you lost that bet with me. But then you won uh, your video poker hand. Jack yeah, the the. Uh... The nights on the road, um, but that the nice brisk drives home in the sun have always been fun, and uh, you know, just kind of listening to podcasts and discussing things, and you know that's what this podcast is. It was just uh, for twelve hours straight. You know, then you and I would say something stupid, then you would get aggressively angry at me. We'd bet about it, then you tweet it when I lose later. You know, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I think Purdue is better than Michigan State. You know what's the way? Let me ask you this question: the way that Ohio State is playing right now, and how you feel about Ohio State next week against Purdue, Magoo. Okay, yeah. When when Purdue's offense is on the field, and the High State's defense is on the field, who has the best singular player? Purdue. I agree, David Bell. Yes. When Ohio State's offense is on the field and Purdue's defense is on the field, who has the best singular player? Ohio State. It's not, not George Karlaftis? You I wouldn't consider George Karlaftis? I think I would take – I mean, I don't know. I'm a skill position guy myself. Yeah, but, I guess you take the receivers. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could play that game, uh, f- defense versus offense, with Purdue being on offense because Ohio State's defense doesn't really have much star power, but I just don't know if I'd want to go down that road when there's probably four or five people that you could have a battle with on Ohio State's offense. Yeah, like, I mean, is Trey Henderson a better running back than Karlaftis as a defensive end? Like Karlaftis might be the first defensive end taken in the draft. Answer my question. And he's not going to be the first defensive end taken in the draft. Or sorry, the second best, second yeah. second defensive end taken in the draft. Is Trey Henderson a better running back than George Karlaftis as a defensive end right yeah. now? Yeah. Uh. Maybe. The if fact that you're healthy. even thinking about it. Maybe. If he's yeah. fully healthy, I, I, yeah, I probably Is would. Trey Henderson a better running back than Frank Sinatra was a singer? Oh, blue eyes? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean. Don't they know what it's like to be Purdue a boy has, on down uh, when, when he's, he's in love? love. <laughs> Fake IDs, 25 cents. I mean, no. Fake IDs, 10 bucks. Shrimp cocktail, 25 cents. Cocktail, 25 cents. <laughs> uh, Purdue has like. I'm doing the thing from Vegas Vacation. When he's get guess the number, yeah. <laughs> seven. Um, between David Bell and 
Karloftis was like the two best players that Purdue's ever had concurrently at the same in the history of the program. Was, yeah. Did they have a really good player when Drew Brees was there? I don't know. I was I was a child. But like they, I, I think the point is like all all three of these teams, while Ohio State is certainly better than them, um, have things about them that I think would give you pause or or worry you a little bit if Ohio State doesn't start playing better football. What's the spread of this game? Nineteen, I think it was. Hmm. I'll, I'll look it up on BetMGM. That's interesting because Ohio State. I mean, I guess returning home, Purdue has a hard time winning back-to-back games. Sometimes um, I don't know, uh, but the last three games, when combined, are tough. Yeah, it's a really tough stretch. Um, our friends at BetMGM uh, have it as we speak at. Uh, what is what time is it? Seven thirty six God's time on Sunday night. Uh, Ohio State twenty and a half point favorite, and the total is sixty one and a half. That makes me want to bet Ohio State because it's way too big. Yeah, I, I don't. It seems a little bit bigger than normal, or a it, bigger than I would have anticipated it being. It is like the the lines this weird have been have been odd. Like the the Rutgers line was like a two touchdown line that was so off and like the Nebraska line was a two touchdown line and like some of us thought that was weird and then that turned turned out to be right on. I just don't know how Las Vegas can predict grab ass. Uh physical game against Penn State didn't play well. A little bit of a physical hangover, 11 a.m. start. Nebraska team that is better than its record would indicate. I think, like thinking back on it now, there there are a few ways you can you can get to the point that they got to. So I, th- I think it makes sense. But do Penn State still, now? It was still weird to see what Penn State's line is this week. No, no, just like how they figure it out. It's like they always have the perfect line where you it's like seems too low, and then Ohio State comes out and does a bunch of penalties and stupid turnovers. Like C.J. Stroud looked like he was trying to throw a pick on purpose on the first drive. Against Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there were a few throws. I was like, are you trying to throw it to the Nebraska defender? Like, what are we doing? He was, uh, yeah. That's my he favorite was, thing to do and pu- say in public, too. That, that's why I said it was, what are we it doing? was JT Barrett 2017 Iowa game. Yeah. So, Defenders don't exist. Watch me throw this football. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me ask you this. Do you think Ohio State can beat Alabama? Yeah. Do you think they can beat Georgia? No. Yeah. Not right now. I think I think they have the capability, but I I like need to see a prolonged stretch of Ohio State getting back to what I think could still be the best offense of college football, even though it's not playing like it right now. But no, I'm not going to say they they can beat Georgia right now. Yeah, I I uh I, I'm seeing a bunch of 
Like if the playoff has has um, Cincinnati in there or Michigan State in there, for instance, I guess it would it wouldn't be Ohio State and Michigan State. But depending on who gets in in such a weird year, Oregon, Ohio State could have a pretty easy matchup in the first round, and they could be a fortunate matchup depending on how this all shakes out. And if that happens, then you put yourself on the same field as Georgia and you let it ride. But I don't know that I'm very confident about any team outside of Georgia being very good. Yeah. Because I watched the Alabama game, buddy, and they're not – I mean, they got a laundry list of issues too. Uh, Oregon um, is what it is. If Alabama did not have Will Anderson, they would have lost that game. And if Ohio State didn't have Noah Ruggles, they would have lost Nebraska. I did the Heisman straw poll this week with Fortuna for yeah. the athletic. I did two defensive players, one, two. Uh, I still had Kenny Walker on there. I can't, I, I forget I what put order him third I had. on mine. I had Walker and Jordan Davis and Will Anderson. I put Davis one, Anderson two, Walker three. I can't remember my order. It's been a long day, but yeah. No, I'm there if with there's you. ever going to be a year where a defensive player wins it, it should be for this Georgia defense. Yep, I agree. The best player and, on this Georgia defense. Yeah, and I don't think like there was and and I I'm guilty of this too. I've done this covering Ohio State too. It's kind of hard not to like the premature Ohio State player X is a Heisman candidate. No one on this team was ever a Heisman candidate. Um it wasn't ever like it was never a real thing. There was you just the stats were good whatever. Like if you were watching the games, it was clear to me that there was no Heisman candidate on this team. Um and I don't expect there to be moving forward unless C.J. Stroud decides he's going to throw 20 touchdowns and no picks the next three weeks, which I guess is possible. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think this is the last one. Well, Chase Young, I think I, – Chase Young I thought had a decent shot and then actually ended up not becoming that close to doing it. And then it was like Indomitian Sue before that or Manti Teo maybe before that. I know, but who won the Heisman the year Chase Young had this campaign? Joe Burrow. There's no player – I made a face at him, but there's no <laughs> offensive player right now that has that right now, right? No. What offensive player is like the starlet of the game of the game right now? I don't, I, I don't know. The number one competition. The number one what, quarterback on everyone's mind is Bryce Young, but like, he's not going to win the Heisman this year just because he plays at Alabama. That's not my how my vote works. If Bryce Young is going to win you. the Heisman, then C.J. Shroud is a Heisman candidate, and I take back yeah, what well, I said. Bryce Young is the number one <laughs> is the number one candidate for the Heisman because he's the starting quarterback at Alabama. Has he been that special this year? I'm not saying he's not good, but like, has he been Heisman special? He's been pretty good. Like, he's and he's got good numbers. I don't. I don't know. Man. I don't know. Maybe he. Maybe he was like. I don't know. He hasn't been like on on a stage. The, I think the, to really capture the the imagination or capture the attention of the country. The award is not because you're the starting quarterback at Alabama. It gets you in the door, but. Yeah, you know. it definitely gets you in the door. Yeah, yeah. No, I like uh, I like uh, our, our buddy Doug Lane Reese's the, the way that he he spins it, which is like what tells the story of the college football season. Like the story of college football is Georgia's defense is awesome, and Jordan Davis does shit. I've never seen a man of that size. Jordan Davis is like if Dewan Jones played nose guard. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, actually, it was it was really he might good be onto that. something there. <laughs> but so, yeah, so anyway, like, do you have any main? Thought process about this team, main takeaways while you're hitting the road with your regular Mountain Dew? I've not had a – I did just uh, put down a Cherry Coke, though. Um, I ordered nothing more refreshing. I ordered uh, dinner tonight from Pizza Ranch. You ever had that before? I have heard of it. I feel like it's I always like drive CC's, by. It's like isn't it? 
So I guess it is a buffet, but I just ordered delivery and some man bought a pizza to my door. It was fine. That's what you expect when you order it from a place like that. Um, but was it like CC's quality? I would say it was a step above CC's. Okay. They, was it and like had, $11? Uh, no, it was like $14 um, because I upgraded to the stuffed crust. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Landis, yeah. before we go, I have somebody sent me a message on Instagram, which I don't always see because it goes to the message request folder. But this person named Josh B. Fatherhood's the best, man. Congratulations. Any advice for the best pizza slash Friday night dinner in Columbus, Ohio? Going to first game at Michigan State with my dad and knew the food king would have solid recommendations. So oh, I know wow. he was talking about you. <laughs> so I'm going to answer on the podcast. Like, where would you send him for his first food game? Man, did he say pizza specifically? Pizza slash Friday night dinner. I got to tell you, like, um, like twice, I would say like twice in the last two or three months, I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast, or at least I mentioned it to you. I've gone to Pauly G's in the short north for pizza. Never heard of it. It, it was around when you lived in Columbus. I know. But, I don't understand but, uh, what's going on. Um, but I didn't. I didn't go there for for years after it opened. Um, but they have a Detroit style. Uh, they call it the pepperoni square pizza there. That honestly might be the best pizza I've ever had. It's very good. You've and never had- said this before, but I feel like you have been gravitating towards Detroit style pizza for the last year. I have. I've noticed that about you, and I don't I had, know. What's I had some Detroit style. I had some Detroit style pizza in Omaha. Um, I like I like the the cheese on the crust that like uh, I don't know what the word crisp. is crisp up a little bit. It's like Burns the crust. The, the, crust. the yeah. crust is like cheese basically. I like that. Um, and the dough they use like the, the 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 crust is really good. It's like really soft, um, but it has good flavor to it and, uh, and good ingredients there too. And it's also like not super expensive. They have a good beer selection. Um, so I would recommend Pauly G's in the short north. Now, people might be listening to this who are like diehard Columbus people who might be saying like yeah, go to go, go to, to Tommy's, go yeah. to Tommy's or Massey's or whatever. Like those places are good. Like I, I wouldn't knock them. I, I like both those places. Um, but I think Pauly G's, which is like I think from New York, like they, it's not a one off in Columbus or others, uh, is pretty solid pizza. So I would recommend. I never saw it. There. I never saw it when I was there. I was never aware of it. And, and like my whole north. thing was. I had Uber Eats when I was there, living alone, and I would just have all sorts of places delivered to me. And mm. Like it was my goal to eat a pizza. Like if I was ever ordering a pizza, like I would order it from a pizza place that I hadn't had before. Yeah. In the attempts of trying to see if I could discover the best pizza, and honestly speaking, I don't know that I think that anything ever beat a Fresh Massey's when I was there. And I think Tommy's has the best sausage on the face of the planet. Yeah, but both those are good. But I feel like Massey's, you have to eat it there. You do. No, it's good. It's best there, but it's it's good. It's solid. It's solid for a road game for sure. But I think it's you gotta you gotta eat it at their place yeah. for it to get the proper experience. Yeah. yeah, which is probably true in most places. Um, but yeah, Pauly G Short North, good spot. And then also you're in good. the Short North, so then you can go any number of places after that to get to get some more beers. You can go to uh, Urban's Chop House, see what's going on over there. Yeah, you you. All right. That's the, that's the next block down. <laughs> Sorry, you asked me. You asked me for uh, a parting thought on on Ohio State or like where I'm at with them. Adrian Peterson is playing in the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, Rams game after working at Enterprise Rent a Car last week, and he just got exploded from the bottom. 
I know people don't care about that, but I just watched it. I was like, geez, man, don't you need to be like, I know he's one of the best running backs of all time, but don't you need to like work out for more than 38 hours before you can play in an NFL game as a starter? How is there just not a better option than Adrian Peterson? Are you watching this? Yeah, I have it on my TV right now. Yeah. What do you think of that? Just Santa Monica Pier. Looks great. Uh, Sorry, guys. Uh, 40 minutes in. Landis, why don't we uh, give us uh, some final thoughts and then we'll. we'll I just don't think, like, I understand this podcast has been a little uh, disjointed, maybe, or or wandering might be a better way to describe it. Um, After the game, I, I, I felt a little bit of an impulse to, like, make that game a referendum on something. And, like, the more I think about it, and certainly after I've watched it again, I just don't really feel that way. Um, but I, I also understand the frustrations <clears throat> with the way that Ohio State has played the last two weeks because they're making, like, boneheaded mistakes and boneheaded decisions and it's like, doing things that they shouldn't be doing at this point in the season. So, like, I get that. Like, I'm not trying to tell you that they, they played good and it was, like, a good, gritty win. Like, that's bullshit. Anybody who tells you that is just spewing you bullshit. And I want to listen to them. But... I also don't think this team is like falling apart. Now, no, no, if they I don't continue, either. if they but continue, the question to play isn't whether or not they're, they're falling apart, Bill. It's about whether or not this game and the game before it is an accurate depiction of what they actually are. Yeah, like maybe, maybe not quite this, but but something closer to this than what we thought they were in the month previous to it. Maybe. A team, a team that is much more capable of losing two games than we thought they were, which is a discussion we've had before. Like we were there after Oregon, I kind of got out of that mode, and the month after that, and now I'm getting back into it a little bit because they do have flaws and they do have things that I think you can exploit, but they're also just so much more talented than everybody else that I that I, I mean, my, my gut tells me they're going to win the rest of their games and get to the playoff, but they need to play better because that was bad. That was a bad, bad game from Ohio well, from Ohio State's offense anyway, um, and that's the thing that needs to carry them, like. They can uh, good for them. Like I applaud them for getting their defense figured out because it was a disaster, and now it's not. And and it's always good to be a team that that's solid on special teams. Um, that ain't what's going to win Ohio State games. It's just not. The, their offense has to be better than it's been the last two weeks. And and if it doesn't, then you know I think you take a hard look at what's going on there. But I I really think it's more of like a haze than it is like something that's inherently wrong with them that they're just not going to be able to get past. CJ Stroud shade returned. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did see what do you, that. What do you think of the? <laughs> I'm sure the I'm sure the quote didn't, didn't uh, make anybody feel great. The uh, yeah, I think I we should. To... It'd be a mistake to get through the podcast without reading out that quote out loud because I went, read it and I was like, oh buddy, <laughs> uh, like, oh, oh buddy. Give me a second to pull it up here so I can read it verbatim. Um, yeah, you know, in in the interview room, I I I don't know what I was doing. Probably tweeting grab something. Ass. Yeah, yeah, grab ass. Um, so, like, I didn't uh, catch it when he said it live, and then I was listening back through my record. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's not like an inflammatory thing. It was just like, that's the worst thing you could say. Well, because people the, with, lock on to what they're angry about, and that's with, the thing right now. With the way people are talking about you uh, at the moment. Uh, CJ Stroud said, if my job was to run the ball, I'd be a running back or something. I throw the ball for a living. Sometimes it might look obvious when you throw the ball and everyone runs to the ball and people think, oh, he should have ran it. But I feel like I do my job when my number is called. And then he was talking about his interceptions. He said he forced the ball on those two plays. 
Uh, but it's the first part. If I was, if my job was to run the ball, I'd be a running back or something. I throw do you think there are running. times where it just looks like on TV there's more room than there is, or do you think there's times where he should run the ball and he doesn't? Like, let's attack what people are talking about because people think he's afraid to run the ball. I don't think he's afraid to run the ball. I think there is hesitancy because of what he – and he revealed last week that he uh, separated his AC joint against Minnesota. Um, he had like a, a a shoulder soreness in camp, which is why he didn't throw the ball on the day that we saw him. And Ryan Day tried to spin it as load management, as if that's something a freshman would be doing. Um, and then he injured his shoulder against Minnesota and like tried to play through it, and that's why he didn't play against Akron. So like, and that's like, I don't think that's something that goes away. It's just something you learn to play through. So if that's giving him hesitancy, like I get it. Meaning um, not wanting to take a shot on his arm. Yeah. That said, uh, there are definitely times when he scrambles, where there is green grass in front of him. And he just like kind of hangs behind the line looking for something to happen, yeah. and throws it away, or he's forced it into into coverage a couple times well, and throws an interception. Up four or five yards, right? And it's like, I, and that's a tough four or five yards. Like there was a, a quintessential or a perfect example. Of this was yesterday. I think it was early in the game. Like he he rolled out to his left. Uh, it was like third and six. I think. I think he could have ran for seven yards and gotten the first down. But like JoJo Doman, really good defensive player, Nebraska's best defensive player, one of the ten best defensive players in the, in the Big Ten. Uh, was going to meet him somewhere along that path to trying to get to the marker. And I don't know, like, you have second thoughts about that, make a business business decision to throw the ball out of bounds. Like, I probably would have done the same thing. But I think that's the kind of stuff where you, you want to see him, like, go get those That's the type of thing that JT drive. Barrett would never do, though. JT Barrett would and never do it. that's part of the reason why people loved him so much. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Justin Fields would have got those yards, too. Justin, Field, Justin Fields wouldn't have flicked that ball out of bounds. Now, now, not every quarterback is the same. Like, Dwayne Haskins wouldn't have done it. Um Dwayne Haskins probably would have did what CJ did. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that I can get on board with. If you're like calling for more designed quarterback runs within the offense, which, by the way, they did a couple of against Nebraska, and I'm generally in favor of, but I'm also not sitting here waiting for them to do it because this is not Urban Meyer's offense anymore. It's just not what they do. And I think people like forget that sometimes, that it's not the 2014 Ohio State offense, and you don't have to have a quarterback read element in your offense to have a good one. Why you would make a quarterback do something he's not good at doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but if you want to see him scramble more and lower his shoulder and get some tough yards when when it's called for, I'm on board with that. I get that. I think it's a fair thing to ask of your quarterback, and, and CJ probably needs to do more of it. But I don't I don't think they need to start dialing up the quarterback zone read more. I just like that. That to me, on the list of things that's wrong with this offense, the lack of a zone read quarterback run game is like not on it. For me, personally. All right, Bill. Well, have a good drive uh, home uh, on the way back to Columbus. Let me know uh, what you're uh, what you're doing because I'm with you, even though I'm not with you. I'm going. And, uh, uh, yeah, let me let me shamelessly plug. I went to Chicago on Friday or thir- what's today Thursday to talk with Jimmy Rolder, uncommitted linebacker in 2022. Uh, that story is done. It will run Tuesday, uh, and then we're recording this on Sunday. On Monday, I'm going to Southeast Polk High School here in the Des Moines area to talk with Xavier Nwankpa, uh, Ohio State safety target. Maybe his teammate, Caden Proctor. I don't know if he's going to be there too, um, but I should have uh, at least one, maybe two stories coming out of that, um, either Just later put, later put next money. week or, or the week after that, depending on, on the timing of, of yeah, some stuff. Nwankpa is the type of story you run to your computer to write for the next day, right? Uh, I guess it depends on what he says. I mean, he's not – he's committing December 8th, so I feel like I have some time. Um, well, we'll see what he says. If he says yeah. – I think uh, Matt Barnes is God's gift to football. Then maybe I'll I'll run to my computer and write that. But um, what if he yeah. says Ohio State's defense is ass and they need me? 
their ass, my dude. Uh, he would. Dude, are gone. you gonna are you gonna play up the whole thing I've been saying about him and just like make it your angle? Because I think you should. The whole thing you've been saying about him, just like the idea that he's the first top fifty prospect in the state of Iowa since like two thousand one. And like uh, the fact, like yeah, the fact yes. that like Iowa's had a good year when they were on board with him, and it's just like taking this away from Iowa is like Ohio. Like if he, this is my would be my angle. If Ohio State gets this kid, it's just another example of why the Big Ten can't catch them. Yes, I am interested in writing that, and it's not just about the Wampa because his teammate Caden Proctor is like a top five player in twenty twenty three. Players like this don't come around in Iowa like ever. And there's two of them on the same school and back to back at the same school and back to back years. Sounds like a good story, Bill. <laughs> that's that's something that I would think the Midwest recruiting analyst for the Athletics should do. That's right. That's my that's my secondary job title. Um, I yeah. I wrote about a, a kid who spurned uh, offers from UCLA. Um, yeah, the Notre Harvard, Dame, the Harvard kid, to go to Harvard. And I talked to his dad, his coach, a Power Five uh, recruiting coordinator who broke down his film for me. And uh, that's running, but that has nothing to do with Ohio State. Read Bill's story. Yeah. When's that running? Tomorrow morning. Nice Monday morning. Or Check Monday morning when we when when it's up. This podcast will be up, and you know, theathletic.com/slash/four-six. Could you sign up? You can read that story. You can read about Jimmy Rolder on Tuesday. I'll have final thoughts on Monday with like some of the stuff we talked about here on this podcast, but probably explained in a less loopy way. Um, and if Ohio State comes to Dallas, there is a chance that. I will help you cover the media availabilities and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. If happen. you want, if you'll have me. Yeah, I'll ha- yeah. As long as uh, Ohio State doesn't lose one of these next three games. Would you be pissed if I came to the interviews and just was like this is what I'm writing, and then you have to just find your own thing? No, I don't think I'd be pissed if you came to me and said I'm writing these 16 angles. No, I'm writing these like- four angles, and one was about Stroud's development. <laughs> I, I took like the- <laughs> listen, man. I'll never. I'll never. Uh, I'm just teasing never, you. I would never. You're the Ohio State beat writer. I, I would just come to assist and hope that we could make our coverage a little bit better because I live 15 minutes away from where the building is. I will never uh, begrudge a national writer who comes to cover Ohio State with a unique idea. Okay. If you come and say, I'm writing about Ohio State, then we might have some words. Be more specific. I'm coming and I'm writing about Ohio State's offensive line. Yeah, that would be the killer. Have an angle. Does anybody have really awesome tattoos? Because I want to write a story about those. Taylor Decker. Taylor Decker's tattoos are the reason that I'm here today. It's uh, Baby Wasserman's bath time now. So like uh, that was a little discombobulated, but I do think that if if, if, it was good. Is that code for you need to take a shower? No, (laughs) I actually have to get my baby a bath. (laughs) But yeah, baby. Yeah, baby's got to take a bath. All right. Cool. Well, you can go do that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to polish off this pizza and then write about the Buckeyes. All right. Thank you for listening uh, to four to six with A and B. Hey, we let me let me get it. a shot of that though before you go. The pizza. Let me. Yeah, I mean, well, let me wrap the, the podcast. Okay, wrap the, the eye podcast test. And I'll show you the pizza. The eye test isn't just for the college football playoff committee, everyone. That's right. It's for the pies too. Thank you for listening. Leave a five star review on Apple. We greatly appreciate it. I think we might get into some mailbag stuff uh, later this week. So leave a five star review with a question. We'll answer that. Hit the email four to six ab at gmail Ohio State beats Nebraska twenty was it twenty six to seventeen. They play Nebraska on Saturday, or sorry, they play Purdue next Saturday. We'll talk about that later in the week. We'll talk to you then.